welcome back to our study of Proverbs. Today we are in Proverbs chapter 6 and we're going to read verses 12 through 19. Today we're going to look at <laughs> uh, wickedness. Let's read verse 12. A worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads strife, therefore his calamity will come suddenly, instantly he will be broken and there will be no healing. There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you today, as always, in the name of your Son. And, O oh Lord, we pray that you will use this time. Lord, so many words and oftentimes so little power. So many things are done that uh, do not have eternal value. I pray, Lord, that this will have eternal value, that it'll be a, a right stewardship of time. I pray especially, Lord, for the young people, maybe even the parents who will listen to this. Please, dear God, help us. Help us run from wickedness and all the other things that are stumbling blocks to those who would serve in your kingdom. No, Father, raise up a generation of young people who love you and are wise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me give you a general overview of, uh, of chapter 6 again. Uh, we've already studied uh, several verses, but it's, it's very important to understand the context. So the whole chapter, in a way, is about navigating in this dangerous sea, this world that we live in. And one of the things that you need to understand is that, um, well, uh, when you're out in the ocean, there are things under the water that, uh, that are hidden, that are the most dangerous, reefs, shoals. Uh, when I was in Peru, uh, a lot of times I would stand on the front of the boat, the bow of the boat, and hold a rope to steady myself, and then I would yell back at the guy that was called the motorista, and that's the person who would drive the boat. And I was constantly looking for things that were just sticking up a little above the water uh, that would tell me that there were large trunks of trees or other debris in the water that could capsize the boat. And so that's what we're doing here. We realize that we live in a fallen world, and even if we're truly following Christ, there are still dangers. And so I wanna break down for you just quickly chapter six. First of all, in verses one through five, and we've already studied this, it's rashness. It's the danger of making decisions without contemplating, without discerning whether the decision is correct or incorrect for your well-being, or dangerous, and, and mainly what that means is that when we look at a certain situation, we need to ask ourselves from the Word of God, is there guidance? Are there prohibitions? Are there exhortations? And then not only that, 
since wisdom wasn't born with us and it won't die with us and we need other people. Also, one of the ways that we avoid making rash decisions is by getting godly counsel. Now, I've warned you about this before, but I'm gonna do it again. A lot of people, when they're seeking for counsel, they're not really seeking for counsel. They've already made up their mind about what they're gonna do, and they just keep looking for counselors until they find someone who agrees with them. Now, in verses six through 11, we talked about slothfulness. Many times people think about being lazy and they kind of chuckle and they laugh, but even in the early church, it was considered one of the seven deadly sins to be slothful. And you know, it's not just um, staying in bed, you know, too late or not doing your chores. It, it also has to do with the fact that you were made for God and you were made for God's purposes. So this is not just being slothful with regard to, uh, you know, uh, your mom telling you to take out the trash, but being slothful with regard to your stewardship. God has called you to serve him. And there's no place for slothfulness in the service uh, of Christ. Um, so now we're gonna look at wickedness and that's verses 12 through 19. And then later on, we'll look at unfaithfulness, verses 24 through 35. Unfaithfulness, particularly with regard to the family. Now, young person, right now, you're probably not married and you don't have family in that sense. But you need to understand something. The family is an institution that's created by God and it's absolutely essential for the well-being of us as individuals, but also the well-being of society. And one of the reasons why you see the world falling apart today is because there's an attack on the family, a, 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 a covert, over, you know, uh, plan to destroy everything, dismantle everything that God has established. Now, between verses 19 and 24, there's, there's something very, very important. In verses 20 and 23, it talks about the Word of God. And that if we're gonna navigate through all these problems, we're gonna to need to study the word of God. Not only study, but believe and obey. You're not going to make it through this life. You're not gonna escape the dangers, especially the hidden ones, unless you give yourself to the study and obedience of God's word. Now, one last thing I wanna say, I've said this several times as we've studied chapter six is, when you talk about the destruction of a life through rashness or slothfulness or wickedness or unfaithfulness, maybe when you hear these things, you go, you know, I'm not gonna do that. I don't even know why he's teaching on this. I've already decided that I'm not gonna shipwreck. I'm gonna go forward and I'm gonna serve Christ. That's a very arrogant attitude. Um, one of the things that we all have to realize, I mean, I'm, I'm an old man. And I realize that I am capable of falling. I am capable of entering into sin and causing great harm, not only to myself, to my family, but also the church. And so one of the things that I want you to hear today is 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. All of us are capable of falling. That's why the first thing you should do in the morning when you... Uh, when you open your eyes, not when you get out of bed, when you open your eyes is pray for grace. Say, oh God, I have need of you. And without you, without your help, 
I will fall. Give me grace. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil because I can't deliver myself. All right, so let's look now at wickedness. And we'll start uh, reading verse 12. It says, a worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth. Now, first of all, wickedness. It refers to any person who, well, first of all, what is wickedness? Wickedness is, the, is like, a, we could say it's a synonym to unrighteousness. It's um, that which contradicts what the Bible teaches us about the nature and will of God. So anything that is contrary or against what we know about who God is and what God has commanded, that is wickedness, that's unrighteousness. But here, there's something just a little bit more. The wicked person is not only doing unrighteousness, but it's almost like he has um, a settled or decided, he has decided in his heart that he's not going to serve God. So he's hardened his heart against God and he's decided he will live another way. Now, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. And even as Christians, our righteousness is found in the person and work of Christ, not in ourselves. And we are all, uh, we all stumble in many ways, James says. But the true Christian is going to have a heart that is broken when he sins. He's going to truly want to serve the Lord. He's going to study God's word in order to obey God's word. And when he doesn't obey God's word, he's going to be broken and confess it. The wicked person is just the opposite. He doesn't care. And what he does know about God's will, he hates. What he does know about God's holy um, character, he hates. And he has He's tightened his face and closed his heart and clenched his fist and he's decided, I will not obey God. Now, one of the things that we're going to see, all these verses, uh, 12 through 19, are dealing with a wicked person. But there's something that I want you to see here is that his wickedness is not only wickedness unto himself, his wickedness is not only rebellion against God, but his wickedness is wickedness because of also the damage it does to people around him. If you look in verse 12, he, he speaks with perverse speech to others. He's a liar. Also in verse 13, he is constantly deceiving others. Then in verse 14, he's devising evil against others. He actually... He, he's in his bed and he's scheming. How can he hurt other people? Or if not hurt them, use them. And also he spreads strife, verse 14, among people who normally would just live in fellowship with one another. Now, when we go on, we also learn here in verse 12, it says a worthless person, a wicked man. So when it says that in the book of uh, Proverbs and in the book of Psalms too, that you know, he's not talking about two different people. What he's saying is, is that wicked men are worthless. You say, well, well, how are they worthless? Well, first of all, you need to understand that even wicked men, there's still something remaining in them of the image of God. And therefore we need to pray for wicked men, we need to preach the gospel to them, uh, we need to labor for their redemption. 
That is true. But that image of God, not only through the fall of Adam, but through their own rebellion has been distorted. And it has been twisted and perverted so that they've set themselves against God. Now, the word worthless here, it is translated from a Hebrew noun, uh, Belial, which means what? The, the word literally means that someone is worthless, useless, good for nothing. Now, there's something very important you need to understand here. When it says worthless, good for nothing, useless, it's, it's talking about um, the moral condition of a person. The Bible is not saying that um, someone is, is, is worthless because maybe they're not as intelligent or they're not as gifted or they're not as talented. The Bible never deals in, in that context. It never uses the word worthless with regard to a person who simply cannot understand. What it's talking about, it's moral. This is a person who knows God's will, knows God's nature, and he hates it. And because he's turned away from the light, he, he's become base, debased, low-minded, degenerate, reprobate. Th this person is worthless, not because they don't have an a high IQ. They're worthless because they've simply turned away from God. Now the word Belial is, um, in Judaism, it was often used with regard to, to the devil. It was a name given to the devil. And Paul seems to do the same thing in his letter to the church in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 6.15, he says, what harmony has Christ with Belial? Probably what he means here is, what harmony is there between Christ and Satan? But it also gives us some insight into, well, when the word wicked is used with regard to a man, it means that he has truly, truly fallen. Jesus looked at those who wanted to kill him in, in John 8, 44, and he says, you know what? You wanna kill me because you're just like your father, the devil, and you're doing the desires of your devil, of the devil. And so what we need to see here is, is the worthless person, the wicked man, he's not only set himself against God, whether he knows it or not, he's aligned himself with the devil. Now, when we go over into Ephesians chapter two, we understand that everyone who is outside of Christ, now most don't know it, don't believe it, but it's still a reality. Everyone outside of Christ is following the course of this world. That means they're kind of going with the flow of everybody else in rebellion against God even though it may not to them seem like active rebellion, they're in rebellion against God. But not only are they against God, they're walking with the prince of the power of the air, which is a name, again, for the devil. Now, I wanna talk for just a moment about a few texts that are real important with regard to a person making themselves useless or good for nothing. So in, in Romans chapter three, verses 10 through 12, Paul writes, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. Paul is describing here a wicked man. And here's what you need to understand. Apart from Jesus Christ, all of us are wicked men, wicked women, 
and even wicked boys and girls. You see, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've sinned against God. We've turned against his will. We do our own will instead of his. And therefore, in that sense, we're useless. Um, let, let me give you an example. Your, your mother or father may give you, let's say, 10 chores that you should do throughout the week in your house, but you, you never do any of them. You've set your mind to rebel and you don't do them. Now, your parents uh, will love you. They'll care for you. They probably will still feed you and clothe you and help you. But in the family, you've become useless. Now, here's something you need to understand. Don't sit there and go, Brother Paul said that I was useless. No, you made yourself useless by your disobedience, by your refusal to obey and contribute. Well, it's the same in the kingdom of heaven. There are so many people that are, are brilliant, they're gifted, they're wealthy, they're educated, so many things, but they're absolutely useless when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they will not submit their life to the law of God. Now, let's go on. We have another passage in Titus chapter one, verse 16. It says, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Throughout Paul's epistles, he will say things like this, you know, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Jesus said in John chapter 15, Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can bear no fruit. And so what you need to see is that a person living outside of Christ and in rebellion against God cannot serve God and they're useless for the purposes of God. But now, if you take a person who, and, and I, know, uh, I know people like this, um, in the jungle especially, they have no education. They have almost no economic resources. Um, they're deprived of, of, of even the most basic human needs at times. And yet, they're useful to God. Why? Because they've heard the gospel. They're believing in Jesus. They have a Bible. They're reading it. They're studying it. They're submitting their life to God. And therefore, they are useful. Um, one of the best examples I know of is in Indonesia, among the Korowai people where my friend uh, Paul Snyder has served for many years. They lived in trees about 30, 40 feet up in the air. Uh, they were superstitious, afraid of uh, so many false gods and spirits, and they were cannibals. They would uh, dismember someone and carry part of their body up to their tree house and there they would share it with their family. Now, if you go into the core wide people, you will see the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will see people loving one another. You will see families being healed and you will see men who before were useful to Satan, but now are serving Christ. And so I want you to understand that. Now, 
I want us to go, just hold your place for a moment in Proverbs, and I want to show you something else that's particularly important with regard to Christians, and it's in 2 Peter. So let's go there for a moment. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 5. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. So now he's given a long list of what we call virtues. They are the qualities, the character traits that God wants us to have. And here we, let's just repeat them again. There's diligence, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Beautiful virtues. And what is he telling us? Now, look in verse eight. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how can you be useful to God? Well, even if you're like me and you don't have the highest IQ in the world and you don't have that many gifts or talents, how can you be useful to God? By growing in Christ-likeness, by growing in the virtues you see here, by growing in the virtues that we see in the book of Galatians with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The more you're like Christ, the more usable you are to God. So let's go back now. Um, one other thing I wanna say about usefulness, and it's this. What's the best thing I can do for my wife? I mean, what's the best thing I could ever do for my wife? Give her a new husband. What's the best thing I could do for my children? Give them a new father. What's the best thing I could do for my friends? Give them a new friend. You say, Brother Paul, how can you give your wife and children a new husband and a new father? Well, by becoming a better man, by becoming more Christ-like. You know, a lot of times in this series, we've talked about manhood, about the need to be a real man. Well, a real man is a man who, he lives or demonstrates the virtues of Christ. So you can lift weights and you can be tough and you can hunt and you can run through the jungle and all kinds of things, but you're not a man. Until you submit your life to Jesus Christ and you begin to pursue the virtues that you see in him, the qualities that you see in him. And when you do that, you won't be useless to God. And guess what? You won't be useless to anyone else. The most important thing after faith in Jesus Christ is imitating Jesus Christ and imitating the virtues that we see in him. All right, well, what we're gonna do in our next lesson is we're gonna come back and we're gonna look at the characteristics of wicked men, wicked women. And we're going to see what is it about them that we need to avoid. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time, and I pray that you would work, dear God, 
in the hearts of these young people, that they would see their need of Christ, that they would find their need completely satisfied in Christ, and that they would spend their life serving and imitating Christ. Oh, dear God, please, in Jesus' name, amen.